Welcome to First Baptist Church. If you're watching by YouTube or by Facebook, or if you're here in the auditorium, thanks so much for being here today. I think it would be appropriate to start out uh, with having a word of prayer and just praising the Lord for His goodness and faithfulness to us. He's brought us through uh, a crazy, wild year, and uh, we don't know when that's all going to be over with, but uh, we know that God's in control. So let's bow our heads together and pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, and we mean that, you're our gracious Heavenly Father. You're an incredible God who loves us in spite of ourselves. Lord, you've taken care of us, and uh, for those of us who have not had uh, this uh, virus, Lord, we just want to say thank you for another day. Thank you for another healthy day free from this virus. And Father, for those who have it and those who are suffering with it right now, God, I pray you would be their great physician. I pray that you would be more powerful than any medication, than any treatment that we might come up with, that, Father, you would just touch them with your omnipotent hand, that you would raise them up. Father, we know that you have endured so much for us because you love us with such a great love. We know that your son went to the cross and died on that cross for our sins. So, Lord, we come to you asking your forgiveness for our failures, for our sins, for our trespasses, asking you, God, to fill us with your Holy Spirit today asking you to remove any illness, to remove uh, any sinfulness, to remove any hearts of apathy, to, Father, just help us to be uh, sold out to you. God, we pray you'd do a great thing in this message today, that you would have the preeminence, that you would honor and glorify your Son, that you would receive all praise for every good thing that comes to us. For we ask it all in Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Before you're seated, give a little air hug to somebody, okay? Yeah, yeah. David, air hug right here. All right, good. And go ahead and have a seat for just a moment. This is week 43 of COVID, but I got some great news. Great news. It's more than 2,000 years of, of Jesus' care. Uh, so, you know what? 43 weeks is no big deal compared to over 2,000 years of the Lord taking care of us. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. Uh, next week, we're going to be starting a whole new series for the month of January. That's our management, life management series. It's a time to focus on, you know, the beginning of the year, get things started, get the year off on the right foot. Pat, you still have devotionals out on the table and Bibles. So, uh, there are all kinds of devotional aids and Bibles that will help you stay in the Word of God every single day of 2021. That sounds weird to say that. 2021. So uh, be sure to check out the table out there. Pick up any of them. They're free. They're, they're for you to take and to use. Uh, also, uh, and I don't have a slide for this right now, but I think I may be doing the slideshow, but I'm not sure. Uh, Uversion.com. Y-O-U-Version.com is a great place to find hundreds of different ways of studying the Bible, uh, all kinds of thematic studies, all kinds of really good um, helps, and, and it'll get you in the Word of God. Just make it a habit in 2021, every single day, getting up, getting in the Word of God, uh, and God will bless you for that. So next week, um, management, first message, first lesson in that series, sorting out life, sorting out life and then communion also. So we'll have an opportunity to look at our lives and kind of take an inventory, and then we'll uh, have communion around the Lord's table together. Looking forward to that. Now, this week, uh, Friday is New Year's Day, so Thursday night's New Year's Eve. By the way, uh, thank you all who came uh, Thursday night to the Spreckles Park. We had a great time. It was, uh, it was so neat. And uh, God, can you believe the sunset God gave us? 
You, I didn't get to see it. I was adding my back to it. So I, I sacrificed my body for you. I did. And, but uh, people were taking pictures. It was a beautiful service and a beautiful opportunity. So this coming week, Thursday night, is New Year's Eve. So be safe. Be spiritual. Don't get sick. Don't do anything stupid. Okay? That's, that's, the, that's the go phrase for this week. Uh, make sure, members, you're still giving your tithes and offerings if you need uh, if you have something that you want to go in before the end of the year, it'll need to come into the office tomorrow, uh, ideally. So uh, Julie will be here, and she'll take the deposit in. So make sure you get that to her. Uh, last time I'll announce uh, any financial help on the projector. We would appreciate that. Uh, and thank you for those who have helped. If you need something, say something. Okay, going to be preaching on this, but I thought maybe give a little, a little uh, plug in the uh, bulletin article time. So 10 tips for avoiding holiday depression. Today I'm preaching on how to avoid post-Christmas blues, so here's some practical one-line pointers to keep us on an even keel for the season. One, lower your expectations. Holidays are really not magic. Two, shorten the amount of time you spend with difficult people. <laughs> hey, I gotta be, you know, I gotta love everyone, but be careful with whom you hang, okay? Number three, plan to, st- and that is, Sometimes include, but never mind. Uh, number three, plan to stay within your budget. You can cross that one off because it's too late for that if you didn't stay within your budget. Number four, adopt a family for whom to care. Uh, and it's a little tough with COVID, but love on someone that needs extra special help. Uh, number five, give yourself away. Invest time doing ministry. Thank you all who helped out at the park, get set up and tear down and, and, uh, and provide the music and all of that. Thank you guys so much. Number six, Rest and declutter. Christmas Day, what did we do? Nada. Yeah, we ate, took a nap, and ate some more. <laughs> took a nap again, ate some more. So simplify. Number seven, stay away from alcohol. It is a depressant. It is also addictive. Hmm. Number eight, avoid too many sweets. I'm going to hurry by that one. Number nine, be careful. We all have our little hooks, don't we? <laughs> Number nine, be careful to do, be, be careful, do, uh, be careful. Uh, oh, be careful not to find yourself under the juniper tree of depression. If you're familiar with the story of Elijah, uh, don't, don't go there. On the rooftop of immorality like David, don't go there. In the ship of disobedience like Jonah, don't go there. Inside the cave of hatefulness like David, don't go there. In the valley of sloth, like too many of us, don't go there. Number 10, treat yourself. Spend time with God. Go to church. Don't stress out. That's easy to say. Uh, Remember, the stereotypical Christmas is a myth. Real life is not like a Hallmark movie. Life is no respecter of the holidays. We can't avoid all the problems, but we can minimize them by paying attention to the above suggestions. My wish for you all is this, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, and the God of peace shall be with you. May 2021 uh, be the best year that you have ever had in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together, and we'll continue to worship the Lord. Thank you, Shira, and, and thank you, Allison, for helping us.
Thank you, Shira and Ashley. And I knew it was Ashley. I think I said Alice or Allison or I don't know what. You may be seated in the auditorium. I'm going crazy. It's a short trip, I promise you. Would you turn to Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2? But while you're turning there, boys and girls, how many of you know the Ten Commandments? Huh? How many of you can say all Ten Commandments? I hope that you memorize those at some point. I had the privilege of having a pastor who taught me to memorize the Ten Commandments when I was a little boy, and uh, they made a big difference in my life. Did you know that they were written by the very finger of Almighty God in tablets of stone? Now, what is a tablet of stone, you say? It's kind of like an iPad, only harder. It's a tablet that, it's a, it's a, a rock and God wrote the Ten Commandments. And the way that we show him, the Bible says, that we love him is by keeping his commandments. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. So what's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before you. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does that mean? The, mean, the word gods means divine beings, deities, supreme beings, or idols. There are actually some people, boys and girls, who worship gods made of wood or stone or jewels or silver or gold or plaster. In fact, Israel did that when they were delivered from Egypt and from slavery. All the miracles they saw, all the incredible things God did, and and out in the middle of the wilderness, what did they do? They, They melted down a bunch of gold and made a cow, a calf, and began to bow down and worship it. How silly is that? And I happen to have one of my favorite things here. I've, had, I've brought it here before, but I'm going to bring it back again today. I love the three monkeys, the hear no evil, speak no evil, and say no evil, or see no evil, those three monkeys. This is one who's speaking no evil, okay? And, and so, boys and girls, some people, now I don't know that anybody ever worships something like this, but, but they worship things that have eyes, but they can't see. They worship gods that have ears, but they can't hear. They worship gods who have mouths, and there is a mouth underneath these hands, but they can't, they can't speak. They worship gods who have hands, but they can't handle, and they have feet, but they can't walk anywhere. You have to carry them where you want them to go. How silly it is that someone would worship something like that. And yet, wait a minute, boys and girls, because if we're not careful, in the United States of America, in Coronado, California, San Diego, Chula Vista, National City, San Isidro, Tijuana, wherever you might be, if we're not careful, we can set up idols in our own lives. It may not be made one, one made like this, one carved, but it can be anything or anyone that comes between us and God that becomes more important to us than God. And for some people, it's money. Money becomes their God. And everything they do and everything they strive for and everything they live for is to make more money. For some people, it's fame. Everything they do, they try to become famous. They want to become famous, and they would, do, they would sell their souls. There are stories about, of course, stories uh, about people who actually sell their souls to the devil. 
They so much want fame and fortune and so on. For some, it's sports. Uh, it's wanting to play or wanting to watch sports or whatever. That becomes more important than, than even God in God's day. For too many of us, it's ourselves. It's whatever we want over what God wants instead of what he wants us to do. So God disciplined his children for worshiping the golden calf. The word is chastened. He, he spanked them. He disciplined them. No political correctness back in those days. <laughs> the children of Israel did something wrong. They got spanked for it. <clears throat> and so, so we need to understand if we put anything or anyone before God, anything or anyone before doing his will instead of doing our own will, then there's only one God. We're to love him. We're to serve him with all that we have. And 1 John 5.21 says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Don't set up a silly wooden monkey. Can you imagine bowing down this, oh, great monkey. Oh, the monkey without a mouth because you got your hands over it. Oh, hear my prayer. He can't do it. He can't. <clears throat> I put him in a bag this morning. He couldn't have got here if I hadn't put him in a bag and brought him here. <clears throat> so boys and girls, don't have idols. I promise you, they're not going to do anything for you. <clears throat> Just worship the Lord and him alone. All right, moms and dads, Luke chapter 2, Christmas is a great time of the year, and everywhere there's joy and celebration and smiling faces and presents and lights and parties, but it's over. Uh, it's over. It's done. Christmas and New Year's combined, uh, there are songs about that making the happiest time of the year, or are they? Do you sometimes feel like the odd person out? You just, not, you just haven't caught the, the joy bug? Uh, the only person not having a wonderful time seems to be you. Are you a little or a lot melancholy this time of the year? Every year, honestly, I try to be very sensitive um, to the fact that some people are not very happy at this season. It could be a lot of reasons. They could have lost a loved one at this time of the year. I've got a memorial service this week and a memorial service the next, next week. So from, this, from 2020 on, these families will remember that's when grandma or grandpa went home to be with the Lord. That's when they left this earth. That's when they're, and so now it'll be, it'll be inexorably welded in with the whole thoughts of Christmas and the New Year's. It may be the holidays reminds them of some sad memory when some, maybe, maybe their home split up over the holidays. I don't know. It seems like maybe there's nothing to celebrate. So I try to be very sensitive to the fact that not everybody's all happy and joyful. Um, in addition, then, they're, they're just all of us who celebrate and, amp, and we, you know, we see it on television. We, we, it's in the workplace. It's everywhere we go. It's, it's parties and, and joy and lights and all of that. And then all of a sudden, we come back down to earth. Well, listen to this first Christmas, <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 22. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses, were accomplished. There was a process by which Mary had to go through a purification uh, process after giving birth. They brought him to Jerusalem, that's Jesus, to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, what exactly do these verses have to do with Christmas, post-Christmas blues? Well, these verses say there's real life. It wasn't just, it didn't just end with 
the baby was born in Jerusalem. The shepherds came and worshipped him. The wise men came and gave him presents. Everything was wonderful because life went on. And there were things that had to be done, mundane things, routine things, ceremonial things. Life went on. Not all was joyous for the new parents in Bethlehem. In reality, in reality, maybe not very much was joyous. Yet they bore real everlasting joy into a very sad world. So let's kind of look at the rest of the story, Paul Harvey would say. <clears throat> First of all, it was loneliness. Mary and Joseph were away from their immediate family. Now, they had to go to the place of David's uh, of, of uh, Joseph's birth, rather. So that, that's why they're in Bethlehem. So they're away from their immediate families. <clears throat> Pat and I, um, you know, went to Bible college <clears throat> and uh, would go home on holidays occasionally. When, well, there came a time when we were in ministry and we weren't able to go home on holidays. And so we were away from parents. I always tried to make sure that we got to see her parents and grandparents uh, every year, but it wasn't always when we wanted to be there in holiday time. It was, it was other times of the year because we were involved in church ministry. Now, Mary and Joseph were newly married. They were missing mom and dad. They were missing, they were making adjustments to each other. Suddenly, uh, these two who had been single all their lives now were married, and so there are adjustments. Think back. Uh, there were things that you had to give and take and so on, and uh, maybe you can identify with that. Mary was away from family and friends. Maybe you're in the Navy, we, and I thank God for the opportunity of pastoring in a military town, but I'm going to tell you something, uh, and you know nothing that you don't already know. Military is rough on families, very rough on families. There's got to be a real commitment there. <clears throat> My wife's dad would deploy sometimes for 18 months at a time uh, in the army, it would be overseas, and they would be <clears throat> back at their home. So uh, my heart goes out, and my hat goes off to you who are in the military. Thank you for the sacrifices you make. And I just want to read this poem because I, <clears throat> I want to honor you. The embers glowed softly, and in their dim light, I gazed round the room, and I cherished the sight. My wife was asleep, her head on my chest, my daughter beside me, angelic in rest. Outside the snow fell a blanket of white, transforming the yard of a winter delight. The sparkling lights and trees, I believe, completed the magic that was Christmas Eve. My eyelids were heavy, my breathing was deep, <clears throat> secure and surrounded by love I would sleep, in perfect contentment or so it would seem. So I slumbered perhaps and I started to dream. The sound wasn't loud and it wasn't too near, but I opened my eyes and it tickled my ear. Perhaps just a cough, I didn't quite know. <clears throat> then the sure sound of footsteps outside in the snow. My soul gave a tremble, I struggled to hear, and I crept to the door just to see who was near. Standing out in the cold and dark of the night, a lone figure stood, his face weary and tight. A soldier, I puzzled, some 20 years old, perhaps a Marine, huddled here in the cold. Alone in the dark, he looked up and smiled, standing watch over me, my wife, and my child. What are you doing, I asked without fear. Come in this moment, it's freezing out there. Put down your pack, brush the snow from your sleeve. You should be at home on a cold Christmas Eve. For barely a moment, I saw his eyes shift away from the cold and snow blown in drifts to the window that danced with a warm fire's light, and he sighed, and he said, it's really all right. I'm out here by choice. I'm here every night. It's my duty to stand at the front of the line that separates you from the darkest of times. No one asked me or begged me or implored me. I'm proud to stand just like my father's before me. My gramps died at Pearl on a day in December. Then he sighed, there's a Christmas Graham will always remember. 
My dad stood his watch in the jungles of Nam, and now it's my turn, and so here I am. I've not seen my own son in more than a while, but my wife sends me pictures. He sure got her smile. Then he bent and carefully pulled from his bag the red, white, and blue and American flag. I can live through the cold and the being alone, away from my family, my house, and my home. I can stand at my post through the rain and the sleet. I can sleep in a foxhole with little to eat. I can carry the weight of killing another or lay down my life with my sister and brother who stand at the front against any and all to ensure for all time that this flag will not fall. So go back inside, he said. Harbor no fright. Your family is waiting and I'll be all right. But isn't there something I can do at the least? Give you money, I asked, or prepare you a feast? It seemed all too little for all you have done, for being away from your wife and your son. Then his eye welled a tear that held held no regret. Just tell us you love us and never forget. To fight for our rights back at home while we're gone, to stand your watch no matter how long, for when we come home, either standing or dead, to know you remember we fought and we bled is payment enough. And with that, we will trust that we mattered to you as much as you mattered to us. And my hat, again, is off to the military. Thank God for you. Uh, love you. Appreciate what you do. But you know what? When families, when, when a family member is away and deployed, always try to let that family know that remains here. We're a family here, too. And we want to be a family to you. And we want to do what we can for you. So if we can help you, uh, please let us know because the church family uh, is, is real. And sometimes church family can be even closer than actual physical family. What about this time after the birth of Christ. Well, look at the circumstances. It was 40 days till purification for Mary. So there's lots of things that that uh, involved. It might be weeks or months before the wise men uh, would come pay them a visit. And then it would be followed by years in Egypt and later on in Nazareth. And so wonder if I wonder if the joy of that newborn son, I wonder if that went with Mary the whole time. I wonder if she just stayed on this high, this mountain high experience. And my guess would be she did not. And so I warn you all to be careful of potential valleys after mountaintop experiences. Be careful of them. Because when you're on the mountaintop, there's only one way to go. (laughs) And that's down. Yeah. There's only one way. When you're on the top of the mountain, whatever way, north, south, east, west, it's going to be down. And so you can't, li- you can't live on the mountaintop. And by the way, the, the valleys are, make, are the things that make the mountaintop experiences all the more enjoyable. Because when you're in the valley and, and, and life is overwhelming you, and then you get on this plane for a little while, maybe a few moments, maybe a day or two, maybe a week or two, and everything's just like, wow, this, get, this is almost like heaven. But it comes to an end, doesn't it? Because that's life. Because man that's born of woman is a few days and full of troubles. And so problem comes our way. You can't live on the mountaintop. So try to plan something good after something good. Try to keep looking forward. So uh, Christmas is over now. Well, we got New Year's. Well, New Year's is going to be over. So then, uh, then there's, well, there's Valentine's Day. Well, then, you know, beyond that, well, there's, a, there's Easter. And then beyond that, there's Mother's Day. Beyond that, there's Father's Day. Beyond, But you know what? There are 10,000 other things in between. A visit with grandkids, spending time with someone you love, spending time doing what you really enjoy doing. Look forward. Plan something good after something good. What about the physical trauma? Hey, 
Giving birth is really hard on guys. <laughs> I had to... I had to go to the hospital. I had to wait in this cold room by myself and, and pace. and uh, I, Yeah, you know what? It's really tough on women. It's really tough. The, the giving of birth, the going through all that you go through, the, uh, the going to death's door, so to speak, to be able to bring a life into the world, the, the possibility of postpartum blues, huh? The things that happen later on, the physical adjustments, the hormonal trans- transformations and so on, uh, sleep disturbances, all of those, these are things that happen to Mary. These are things that she experienced. And then add to that travel and weariness and no nice room in which to give birth, no clean, uh, beautiful, uh, sanitary hospital room, a disruption of schedule, bedtimes, <coughs> uh, <coughs> meal time. I, I'm, I'm a routine guy. I like doing things by routine. I got other, I got other things planned. I got, I've got next Sunday's sermon about 78, 80% done. I like to have it done ahead. I like to, I, I get up in the morning. I got this little ritual I go through. I, I kind of, I slept a little bit too late this morning and it kind of threw me off. And I was, I, I was, so, so if my routine gets bothered, uh, I get bothered, which means kind of surly. Um, and, and when my routine is messed with. And their routines were, were messed with. Their routines were <clears throat> turned upside down. Their relationships, their families, their lives, completely different. Oh, in a short period of time, everything changed for them. I'm just saying, we get this idea that she rode this Mercedes-Benz donkey, <laughs> got to Bethlehem, and there was this beautiful manger of pure gold. And it wasn't. And, and, and it didn't have silk sheets in it. And it didn't have plush bedding in it and memory foam or anything else. It didn't have all that stuff. I'm just saying this was real life going on. And so they had things they had to adjust. And then there are frustrations on top of the circumstances, on top of the physical trauma, on top of everything else, being away from family. You had taxes. And by the way... Taxes are coming up, huh? Yeah. End of the year, taxes. Um, you, you who pay quarterly, you got to do something here by January the 15th. You who, um, you know, do it otherwise, I guess, April 15th, and it'll be here before you know it. So, so necessity of travel at an inopportune time, no room in the inn, birth at a stable, not sanitary, not commodious, more travel, and all of that. And add to that now, Mary and Joseph, poverty. Poverty? Where do you get that, preacher? Well, most newly married couples don't have a whole lot, and they had very little. We got married. I had a 64 Barracuda. Well, me and the bank had the 64 Barracuda. Pat had a 61 Volkswagen and $200 in savings bonds. I married her for her money. We, that's all we had. We didn't make a lot. I made two dollars and five cents. You made a dollar sixty-five, dollar sixty-five an hour, two oh five an hour, and that was real. That was American money. That wasn't Confederate money. Okay, that that wasn't that long ago. All right. 
We had very little. They had very little. How do I know that? Because in, in verse 24, they were to offer a sacrifice, which is said to be in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. We'll compare that with Leviticus chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. When the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt sacrifice and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation of the priests, who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. And this is the law for her that is born a male or female. And if, listen, if she be not able to bring a lamb, if she can't afford to bring a lamb, she shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for the sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. They didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot. I, I love the fact that we loved each other, and we had a great time not having a lot. Because a lot doesn't bring necessarily happiness, does it? A lot doesn't necessarily bring joy. In fact, riches sometimes bring complications and problems. <clears throat> our first... Our first home was a, well, it wasn't our home. We rented it, $45 a month, $15 for utilities. We didn't have that kind of money. <laughs> You're thinking, holy cow. And it was a little house. It was a little house. It had one bedroom, and it had two-thirds of a bathroom, right? Huh? A two-piece bath, yeah. There was one piece missing. I'll let you figure out which one that was. We were happy as we could be. They didn't have much. So they brought in these two birds. That was their sacrifice. That was their sacrifice to God. One of them for a sin sacrifice, the other for atonement. And so they didn't have a lot. If they had a lot, they would have brought a lamb and the turtle doves. So last week, I was reading this last week on, on, on how that when Nehemiah went back to Israel, uh, some of Israel's um, uh, nobles were charging uh, usury, excessive interest, to their own countrymen. And poverty was so widespread because of the famine that people, listen to this, were selling their own children into slavery in order to live. I can't imagine that. Can't imagine that. Debt and poverty will drive people to do things otherwise never would consider. We'll be talking about the power of debt in January. Our potential problems our potential problems, disappointment. I can just say, be realistic. Lower your expectations. Learn the joy of contentment. I've learned whatsoever state I'm in therewith to be content. The Apostle Paul said, don't let circumstances determine your contentment. Let your relationship with Jesus Christ determine your contentment. Avoid depression. Uh, Paul said, not that I speak in respect of one, for I've learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Disappointment. Separation. Away from loved ones. Well, then adopt a family. Adopt some friends. Uh, get to know someone. Do something nice for someone else. Do something nice for someone who doesn't have anything and it can't pay you back. Give yourself away to others. Don't be concerned with getting, but with giving. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
Again, I mentioned uh, maybe one of the problems is too much togetherness. Shorten the time, seriously, that you have to be with difficult people. Be a companion of good people. Love everyone, but, and don't hate anyone. Don't find yourself in that cave of En Gedi where David was, where his men said, Saul has been delivered, God has delivered Saul into your hands. Go ahead and kill him. And David said, I wouldn't, I'm not going to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. He cut off a piece of his garment. He got convicted about that. And when Saul left the cave, this cave of hatred, Saul was seething with hatred for David. When, when, when he left the cave, David came to the mouth of the cave and, and, and said, long live the king. You were delivered into my hands. So my, man, my men said, go ahead and take his life. But I did not. I cut off this, this piece of your garment to show that I was that close to you. I could have, but I refused to. Avoid complications of sin. When we disregard the words of God, when we do things our own way, when we know, especially when we know better, we're going to greatly complicate things. Alcohol and drugs, uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't come out of a bottle. Be not drunk with wine, where it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit, the Bible says. Sexual promiscuity. David, King David again out there on the rooftop looking out, seeing Bathsheba. Coveting Bathsheba, another man's wife. Every time, I, every time I read that, I say, David, get back inside. Get away from the... Don't do that. Don't stay there. Don't do what you're about to do. Because there's no undoing it. There's adjusting to it, living with it, but there's no undoing it. Stay away from revelry, the wrong kinds of parties and from laziness and, and, and instead be in church and be in God's house and be in God's word and, and spend time with the Lord. Be careful with finances. Don't spend too much too late. Don't go into debt. I hope not. Materialism is a worldly value. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. 1 John chapter 2 tells us not to love the world. The love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not of the Father, it's of the world. It ought not to have an attraction to us. Physical illness or accident, deteriorate, flus, colds, cancer, heart attacks, COVID, schedules. I, I mean, you can't do it all. Back off. And when you're not feeling well, take it easy. Jesus, even as the Son of God with all power, several times would go apart, depart by ship into a desert place, get alone, or try to get alone, overindulging in rich foods, de-stressing yourself as much as possible. What God promises us, folks, whatever the season, whatever the holiday, whatever's coming up, whatever's just passed, what he has promised us is peace, that he would leave with us. His peace would he give unto us, not as the world gives, give I unto you, but let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In Luke chapter 2, later on, they came, they came to Simeon. Mary, Joseph, and little baby Jesus, and Simeon uh, saw him and blessed him and and he says, for mine eyes have seen your salvation, he said to God. Mine eyes have seen your salvation. And right after that, then Anna, a prophetess, 
said the same thing. She was 84 years old, and, and, and she gave thanks to the Lord for being able to see the redemption of Israel physically. So, so what they had was faith. So you want to stay out of the dumps and out of depression and, and, and don't think about the good things you have. Think about the good things God has done for you. Every day, every, I think every day since the middle of March, I've said, as I get up in the morning and I get ready to read my Bible, I'm, I say, thank you, God. As far as I know, I don't have the virus. As far as I know, my wife doesn't have it. My children don't have it. My church people don't have it. A few church people have had it now. But so far as I know, they're all doing better. Faith, believing, and seeing Jesus, he, he is there for us. He's everything we need. He, he will take care of us. So have faith in him. Have an attitude of praise and worship. Be like the shepherds. Be like the wise men. Be like Simeon. Be like Anna. Praise God. Give him glory. The song you guys sang, give praise unto his name. Renewed peace. If you've allowed your heart to become divided by worries and concerns and fears, renew your relationship with God. Renew that peace that he can give. And he'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Renewed obedience. If you're walking contrary to what God wants, then that's going to bring complications and problems that you don't otherwise need to have. Walk in obedience. Renew your outreach and, and, and get concerned about people. Avoid the post-holiday blues. Find something good to be excited about. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing more wonderful than the fact that one of these days we can live with God in heaven forever and ever and ever. place where we'll never get sick, never die, never be sorrowful in God's almighty presence. Avoid the post-holiday blues. Don't, don't believe the world. Believe God. Follow him and he'll take care of us. Let's bow our heads. Our heavenly father, I want to thank you for a wonderful holiday season. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to meet together even now, last Sunday, last Thursday night. Thank you, Father, for a new year that's before us. I don't know what it holds, but we know that you hold it in your hands. So, Lord, we pray that your will would be done in our lives in this next year. Lord, if it's in your perfect will to lift this virus and this pandemic, that you would do so for the world. Lord, I don't know whether it's uh, vaccines or whether it's just your um, ability to, to stop the pandemic or how you're going to do it, but Father, if it's your will, we pray that you would do so. We pray that those who are affected would, would recover, and God, we look forward to whatever you have for us. Lord, it, uh, we just pray that you would help us to be obedient to you and to follow you and to seek you and to draw close to you and to flee, uh, to Resist the devil and he would flee from us. God, give us every single day a great day because we know you. If nothing else happens, we know you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? And as Shira leads us in uh, an invitation hymn, would you, uh, if God's so leading you to come for prayer, to come for 
receiving Christ as your personal Savior, if you want to present yourself as a candidate for baptism, whatever it is, as she leads us, would you come right now? God bless you and give you a great new year this coming Thursday night, Friday morning, and hope to see you next week. Sorting out life, that'll be the sermon for Sunday morning. God bless you. Thanks for being in God's house.